live from Cape Town. This is the voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to the airwaves of the voice of the Cape. You've just tuned in on 91.3 FM Stereo, 89.8, 90.9, 95 as well as web. My name is uh, Mohammed Fasih Peterson and of course the Relief Network looks at the various relief agencies doing good work in our community and abroad and uh, we try and highlight some of the things that are doing and also encourage you the listener to participate by assisting, particularly now that we're in the month of Ramadan, Zagat al-Fitr and Fidya are things that are high on the agenda and we're moving close to the end of Ramadan so let's get that out as speedily as possible inshallah. First hour, the focus falls or the spotlight falls on Islamic Relief SA. We'll be talking about the pledge line and on the line we have uh, Yusuf Muhammad, Chief Operating Officer out in Johannesburg. Yusuf, assalamu alaikum, welcome to VSC. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Muhammad Tasih, how are you? Alhamdulillah, and yourself, sir, how are you doing? How's the weather, oh, up, how's the weather up in Joburg? The weather in Joburg, Alhamdulillah, it's very cold. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So we're on the same yes. page. Yes. Alhamdulillah. However, the, the reception from the people in Johannesburg was very warm, mashallah. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Now, Yusuf, um, obviously we're speaking about the pledge on the 18th of June, 2017. Uh, so we'll be just getting a little bit of feedback around that. We know that high on that agenda was also the East Africa crisis um, yes. that has uh, been plaguing, uh, obviously, East Africa, if I can put it like that. Uh, we know that the um, famine, uh, the, the drought, uh, the, the um, star- mass starvation in that part of the world. So, uh, first of all, going into uh, the pledge on the 18th of June, Tell us, you know, what were your aims? What was your expectation on the day? I'd say, Muhammad Fasih, from the outset, our initial aim was just to educate people about the severity of the crisis in East Africa. Uh, we found that many of the viewers that called in yesterday were totally unaware of what is happening that currently in Somalia, South Sudan, Kenya and Ethiopia, especially in those four, four countries. Uh, the amount of human suffering or the extent of the human suffering that is happening at this very moment during Ramadan and it has been for the last six years although in the last six months it has escalated due to the severe drought we have nearly the estimates are between 16 and 20 million people literally on the brink of death they are facing starvation due to lack of water and obviously because of the lack of water they've lost their lives, their, their livestock they've, they've been unable to farm so people have had no food and no water um, the numbers, you know, when we talk about numbers, for example, I can say 16 million people but we forget that these are human beings they're not just numbers, each one each person has a name uh, they, they are, like, like you and me, it's just that we, we've not met them, but they are, they are human beings firstly the, the numbers are one thing but we mustn't forget that even if it's just one person that is suffering that's on the brink of death and we are not doing anything to save this person's life 
that is bad enough, but we have nearly 20 million people that are literally on the brink of starvation. 800,000 children who are suffering acute malnutrition. And this is why, you know, at this moment, we, there are so many of us that, alhamdulillah, not only do we have sufficient, we have in abundance. Alhamdulillah. And so it was for us to bring, firstly, attention to what is happening, and also then to make an appeal to the people that were then informed you know, uh, about it. I, I just love the way we had one of our brothers uh, from the from Islamic Relief in the UK, Brother Salah Abu Qasim. He's been to East Africa. He was in Somalia. He was on the on the ground in Somalia, attending to the needy and vulnerable people. And he was relating some of his stories, heart-wrenching stories. And it was just, you know, he he posted some of his videos on the on the page yesterday. Those videos are available online uh, through our website. And and really to see the extent of the suffering. And I think many people that called in just the fact that they were ended to tears, they were not they were not able to even, you know, they couldn't comprehend just the extent of the suffering in East Africa. That, so that, that was actually going to be my next question in terms yeah. of if we look at, uh, you know, bringing this to light and obviously whatever the media uh, shines attention on or mainstream media shines attention on, that becomes, you know, the, the, the topic of the day and that becomes what we tweet about and what we Facebook about and all of these things. Um, but uh, w- uh, I was going to ask you, would you say then that, uh, you know, this already conscientized people to the fact that this is going on, that people weren't aware or the majority of people uh, in our society aren't aware that it's this mass, uh, massive, uh, you know, famine, massive uh, uh, drought and, 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 and suffering happening in East Africa? By the, by the looks of things, majority of people are, are unaware. Um, you know, not everybody has access to social media. And the fact is that the mainstream media is not giving this crisis sufficient coverage. As we know, you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said to us, that if we save the life of one person, it's as if we have saved the life of all of mankind. Here we have 20 million people, between 16 and 20 million people that are literally on the brink of salvation. Alhamdulillah, Islamic Relief has been on the ground in Somalia for the last four or five years. And we've been addressing the issue, you know, but over the last six months, as I said, it has just escalated due to the prolonged and uh, drought. Um, and people that have phoned in, like, uh, it was just, it was very touching for me firstly when people realized the extent their hearts poured out in, in generosity. We had people phoning in one particular case of a pensioner, you know, a lady that's on, and we know just how meager the pensions are the people. But, but she she was prepared to pledge 500 rand of her pension towards the East Africa crisis. And there were children calling in, donating their pocket money. There were people that, that, that called in. That there's one lady, in fact, that she, she was saving 1,000 rand for Eid. 1,000 rand she was saving for Eid, but she decided to donate that money to East Africa. SubhanAllah. And, uh, SubhanAllah. We had foreigners calling in. It was, there were some non-Muslims that were watching ITV yesterday that phoned in. And if you look at it, it's happening on our doorstep. It's, I mean, in, in in Africa, South Africa is one of, you know, considered to be one of the powerhouses in terms of economy. After Nigeria, South Africa is probably second. And if if we don't respond to this crisis, it's happening on our doorstep. If we don't respond, who is going to respond? And those people that watch, 
that you know that watched the pledge yesterday, they have an additional responsibility now that they know what the extent of the of the suffering is. They have the responsibility to inform those that do not know. And um, you know, it's just for us. We we collected Alhamdulillah. We collected three million rand yesterday. But the extent of the conflict, or the, sorry, not the conflict of the crisis, it, it requires much more than that. Much, much more than that. Yusuf Mohammed, the Chief Operating Officer for uh, Islamic Relief for South Africa. We're in our first hour with Islamic Relief, talking about the ITV pledge, which took place uh, yesterday, the 18th of June. Uh, and of course, this, the focus was on the East Africa crisis. Uh, last week, uh, we spoke uh, broadly about uh, this pledge, and we spoke about uh, the challenges facing uh, people in the Eastern African countries as a result of drought, as a result of famine, uh, lack of access to clean water. And uh, um, I think also what's amazing about this is, is the fact that, uh, you know, we we are... Uh, through social media, through uh, through through the internet, and uh, through con- conventional media, we find ourselves looking at uh, you know political crises in the world, or playing out governments against governments. Uh, and what we don't see is the impact in terms of in terms of people. And uh, a lot of the times, also when we look at, for instance, now with this crisis, which is. Uh, is devastating and and, and far-reaching. And Yusuf, I know you're back with me now, so perhaps you can maybe just elaborate on this. Sometimes the humanitarian aspect of this gets lost. Uh, Mm -hmm. The humanitarian aspect of what's happening in the news, sometimes this is a footnote perhaps, you know, in the newspaper or some article around a bigger issue. Uh, I mean, sometimes people will be speaking about Al-Shabaab and they'll be speaking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. militant action and in some way along the line, in some other other, other, uh, article, a short little footnote Mm -hmm. around people suffering in that part of the world and yet when we think about it it's millions and millions of people and every day exponentially is growing yes no no, as you said uh, uh, the humanitarian crisis this this crisis currently in East Africa has been touted as the second or as the largest humanitarian crisis since the Second World War you know to give you an, an idea just of the extent of this humanitarian crisis and like you said, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the numbers. We get caught up in the numbers. But there are some stories that Brother uh, Salah from the UK office shared with us from his experience in Somalia. Heart-wrenching stories. This is one story that he, he, he recounted of his experience meeting this father with his little child. This father was holding this child. It was so weak, the child was unable to cry. You know, when, when you reach a stage of acute malnutrition, the, the, the children are too weak. They, you can't feed them. You can't give them any, any kind of, uh, you know, nothing per mouth. You, you can't give them any food to sustain them because the body go, will then go into a state of shock. So there's special types of interventions. I think they give them drips or, you know, you know insulin injections in order to build up the bodies of, or, or build up their, you know, just their strength first. He, he spoke to us about the, the story of this father that was holding his child. The child's name, I can't even forget the child's name now, Bilai Hassan. This young boy was one of eight children. The father had, and his wife, the husband and wife, with their eight children, had to endure a walk in the blistering heat of, Somali, of Somalia. We know Somalia is mainly desert land. And with the drought, you know, no, having no water, no food, having to walk to the camp where they heard that there was you know, a camp set up around Mogadishu 
where there would be some food and water for them. I think that they had walked, I don't know how many kilometers, it was about 12 or 12 kilometers on foot. And by the time they had reached Mogadishu, on the outskirts of Mogadishu, it was only the father and Bilai Hassan that were left. The mother and the eight and seven children had died on the road. There's a story of Sister Fatuma, who with her husband and six children also had to travel by foot. And these are stories that our field workers that are on the ground in Somalia now, they, they are able to bring to us. And the sister Fatuma with her husband also walking in the blistering heat of the sun, by on foot to the camps, she lost three of her children. Now I ask myself, you know, how can I, with you know, knowing this, not do something about it? How can I not do something about it? We are charged literally with, we, as, as Muslims that are that with our brothers and sisters in Somalia that know what is happening we have a responsibility to act and literally every second counts every day the, the statistics that we are getting from the from the field office today is that every day one in ten children are dying because of lack of access to food and water and you know this for me brother Fasir you know we, we are now obviously we are, because we have a presence in Somalia as I said we get updated literally on a day-to-day basis. We, our job is to inform those that do not know to, to let them know what is happening. Then we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places in the hearts of those that know the, the, you know, just that sense of responsibility to do something. I was, I was touched yesterday literally by people phoning from Botswana, from Ghana, from Zimbabwe, Mali, from Mali, Mauritania. Zambia, Nigeria, these are some of the countries that we recorded people calling from, pledging 500 rand. Some people you can literally sense. There was, there was this one brother, he sent, him, he sent us a WhatsApp message. He was from Orange Farm, and he, sound, he, he stated in his, in his WhatsApp message that he's a new Muslim, but he was touched by, so touched by what he had seen that he wanted to pledge, I think it was 500 rand. Now, Orange Farm, as we know, it's a rural area. Those mm-hmm. people don't have much, but because he, he was touched by what he had seen on, on, the, on ITV yesterday. He wanted to donate something. And I want our listeners that are listening now to really do some deep soul searching. You know, and this is one thing that my brother Salah from the UK, he, he said, he, he told, told me yesterday, he said, look, don't be shy to ask because you're not asking for yourself. We are asking for the people. We are being the voice for the voiceless. We are... We, are, we, as Islamic Relief, are charged with the responsibility to inform people about what, about what is happening and to ask and to request from our Muslim brothers and sisters to fulfill their duty to their Muslim brothers and sisters that are dying on a daily basis in Somalia. You know, um, as, you, as you're speaking about this, uh, you know, it gets one thinking around, uh, when we talk about, you know, the normality of the crisis that faces us, mm. last week also, uh, I think it was within the space of two days, um, I was chatting to Shanaz about, you know, certain numbers that mm. come out on the website, and those numbers were outdated two days later. Another yes. million people were added to the list, subhanAllah, which shows yes. again, you know, how devastating the crisis is up there. Now, um, obviously, uh, if, if we uh, once again focus, you've mentioned that uh, Islamic mm. Relief is on the ground there. Uh, yes. talk, let's talk about the nature of the relief that you're providing. Yes. Uh, let's start yes. with Somalia, uh, as that was one of the countries that, uh, you know, we, we, we was brought up in our, in our discussion now. Okay. Recently. All right. In, in Somalia, there are about currently 
statistics are about 6 million people that are in need of urgent assistance, right? And 1.2 million people in Somalia are classed in the most critical category. That if there's no, in, in fact, in Somalia, by now, they're calling it a pre-famine. You know, so it's not really a famine yet because they have had a little bit of rain, but it's considered to be a pre-famine. So in Somalia currently, we because we are able to grow wells, we are firstly rehabilitating wells that are there. You know, there are wells that have been uh, drilled in Somalia, water wells, that have dried up. So one thing that Islamic Relief is doing now, we, we are locating these wells and rehabilitating them by digging a bit deeper. So uh, just last week, we the, the figures were that we were busy with 15 new wells as well. So we're digging new water wells as well as rehabilitating uh, the the wells that have dried up, um, and this is the, the aim is to is to provide long-term solutions. So we, with rehabilitation and drilling of 15 new wells, currently we have funding for that. We'll be able to provide clean water to more than 100,000 people on a daily basis. Um, there's a one million pound recovery program that is also in place to uh, plow farmlands and supply farming tools. Uh, some seeds and also a, a limited amount of livestock to, to households. As we know in Somalia, the community is a pastoral community, so you know they, they and they survive of farming, farming the land. So to rehabilitate these communities, we need to you know get them back into farming. But it starts with the water. Once the water, we are able to provide water and access to water, then we can take it to the next step of providing you know the. the or plowing the farmland, providing with the, them with the tools, seeds, and some livestock. Yeah, that, that's what we're currently busy with in Somalia. Now, um, you know, coming back to the pledge, uh, and yeah. uh, you said that you, you, you mentioned that uh, you raised about three million at hand. Yeah. So, um, yeah. if we, if we look at you know how how uh, you would uh, look at distributing that, uh, the, that those monies uh, yeah. in the areas that you are operating, wh- which which areas are the most affected that you feel might benefit most from from okay. from, from the, that kind of funding? Okay, that's the funding at the moment. Like I said, Brother Muhammad Tashir, it's the main objective now is to get water. Most of the funding and the pledges that we received yesterday was for uh, to provide water to people. As we know, water is life. Without water, there's no life. So that is the primary focus now. And to a, to a limited extent, there's certain lands then that will be well, that we will start with rehabilitation of the lands uh, for farming. And then also to provide a limited amount of, of households with, with um, livestock. And also, currently, just because of the crisis and the extent of the human suffering, you know, we need to basically just ensure that people are strong enough to be able to take care of themselves as well. So that is our primary focus. Okay. I think we're going to go yeah. for a break now. When we come back, we'll continue. We're chatting to Yusuf Mohammed uh, of Islamic Relief SA. He's the Chief Operating Officer. Talking about the pledge which took place yesterday, the 18th of June, was Sunday, starting at 10 a.m. And uh, alhamdulillah, uh, reap some benefits, but there's still a long way to go. And there's more that you can do as a listener. If you'd like to donate, uh, you can log on to Islamic Relief's website. We're speaking about the crisis in Af- East Africa. And uh, also, Yusuf, if we, th- if we think about it, uh, uh, you know, the month of Ramadan is a month. Uh, where people tend to, you know, open up their purse strings a little bit more and give a little bit more and be more generous. But then also we have to understand that once this month ends, that does not mean the crisis in East Africa ends as well. So, um, you know, just your motivation, your push for people to, you know, keep 
mm. keep uh, this in their thoughts, keep the situation in their thoughts, because yeah. obviously Islamic Relief, in order for you to do your work, people need mm. to continue giving. Uh, yes, Prophet Muhammad Sikh, as you say, you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at this, you know. For, firstly, for us, Ramadan is 30 days, and there are some people in East Africa, they've been experience, experiencing Ramadan worse than, uh, you know, more suffering than that, you know, in perpetuity. They've been fasting, uh, not even fasting, they've been going without food and water literally for months. And for us, if Ramadan comes to an end, that doesn't necessarily mean that the crisis comes to an end, as you said. And also, one thing we need to keep in mind is that when Ramadan comes to an end, our good deeds shouldn't come to an end. Uh, in fact, Ramadan serves as a month which which really should show, not to us individually, but also as a community, as an ummah, what really is possible when we strive to do good. How many, You know, how much we can do, how much we can achieve, what kind of a difference we can bring about in the lives of those less fortunate than us. Uh, this is really part of the barakah of Ramadan, that it shows us what really is possible. Can we, can we only imagine what a difference, what a different world we would be living in if we just acted in the same way throughout the year as we did during Ramadan? And we know, in a, not just as a reminder to myself and to the listeners, there have been numerous talks on Voice of the Cape about the fact, or, you know, the, the virtues of charity, and that charity does not, nobody has ever become poor by giving charity. Charity does not decrease your wealth. In fact, charity increases your wealth. Um, so, you know, to develop this this culture and to develop this this giving mindset firstly, and then to act on it, you know, that is something that I believe we as as Muslims, as as a community, as an ummah, as South, as as also proudly South Africans, you know, we we also we know what hardship is. We know what it's like, you know, to endure hardship and suffering. We should literally be, you know, first or forerunners in the the effort to bring relief to the people in in East Africa. We can say that it's you know in East East Africa is not far, Brother Muhammad Fasir. It's literally a, a seven-hour flight, and you're in Mogadishu. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like the world has become very small and literally, you know, it's on our doorstep. So it be, it, it's incumbent on us. I think we are, we are charged with the responsibility to act. And if one of the signs also, as, as we know, the ulama say that one of the signs that, and that your, your good actions are accepted is that you, are con- that you continue with them. So if we found that during Ramadan, alhamdulillah, we were generous, you know, a sign that Allah has accepted our generosity and our good deeds and our actions is that we continue with it. And the, the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are done consistently, even though they may be few or they may be small in, in, in or we may be considered them insignificant, but as long as we are consistent in them. So, you know, for, for me, I think the, the important message that we should take, you know, from from Ramadan and from or the lessons from amongst the lessons that numerous lessons we can take from Ramadan is that when people are in need we need to respond and the fact that people are literally on the brink of of, of starvation of dying because of not having access to food and water while we have abundance I think you know we need to consider really very very carefully and deeply just how we respond when there is a need. Do we only respond during this 30 days or one month? Or 
do we really respond because out of a sense of responsibility? Do we respond because of a particular period of the year, of a particular time, you know, or do we respond because we know that it's our duty to respond? Yusuf, um, I, I just want to maybe quickly move to, uh, we've speak, been speaking about East Africa, but I want to move to some of your other projects. I mean, now that we have the time, we've been speaking about, you know, assisting in the month of Ramadan. We also understand that this, it is the time of year when winter, you know, falls. And uh, yes. uh, we've had some, some serious rain uh, prior to, you know, the month of Ramadan. Uh, yes. Also, uh, at the beginning of Ramadan, we've also experienced seriously cold weather. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, during the month of, uh, during the, the winter months, uh, Islamic Relief also has some projects in place to make sure that uh, the residents of Cape Town, whether they are sleeping inside or outside, that they are warm, mm-hmm. they have enough to eat. Tell us about some of your projects here in the Western Cape oh. uh, aimed at, uh, you know, bringing relief during winter. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, Brother Mohammed Fasih, we were uh, very privileged again to team up with the Lace Up for Change uh, crew and the the Bubaran, uh, you know, the the members of the Bubaran, to take blankets, as you said, to those people that are, to the homeless people of Cape Town, Mm -hmm. and the people that don't have a roof over their heads, that don't have a, uh, you know, sometimes they endure uh, the entire day without a warm meal. Uh, We were able to do weekends, Alhamdulillah. you know, through the commitment of mm. of the Bubaran and Lace Up for Change and our uh, mm. some of our field uh, field workers from Islamic Relief, every weekend during the month of Ramadan, we were taking um, food and a warm cup of buba, some fruit. Sometimes we had people that were donating pots pots of acne. I think the acne boys of Cravenby came on board as well, and you know, donated pots of acne. So on a Friday night, mm. Saturday night, we'd go out to the various areas. We couldn't reach everybody, but um, Brother Irfan Abrams, we all know, you know, the famous Irfan Abrams, uh, who was also on Voice of the Cape, uh, he uh, once did a series of marathons collecting funds for Islamic Relief. Uh, he initiated this Bubaran about two years ago, and we were with him uh, taking taking uh, food and uh, said a, a blanket, Islamic Relief provided blankets you know, for the homeless people. Uh, over the past three or four weekends, we've contributed about 1,200 blankets to homeless people in and around Cape Town. And uh, it was really, you know, also very touching and moving to see that these people are literally on our doorstep. You know, by um, the the train station in Lansdowne, for example, uh, on the parade in uh, Borkarp, in Sea Winds, in Strandfontein. We had, you know, going, actually going out and, and meeting these people and showing them that we care. You know, while we are we deal with crises outside of the country, we have to also look at what, what is the need within our own borders and sometimes right on our doorstep, right here at home. So we went out, uh, you know, interacted with the people. We were fortunate that we were accompanied by some of the ulama and Sheikh Ibrahim Gabriel's accompanied, accompanied, uh, accompanied the group one weekend. Um, Sheikh Ishaq Talib accompanied the group when they went to uh, Hout Bay, the informal settlement in Hout Bay. Uh, and just to you know, make dua, firstly, for, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the, the people, you know, the suffering of the people, and also to, to, to give thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for not putting us in a situation like that. You know, those are one of the things, and I think when you work in the relief sector and you come in, in contact with people that are enduring immense suffering, whether it's here in Cape Town or in Somalia, 
it just gives you that appreciation for what you have. You know, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we face challenges, and we all do face challenges in our personal, in our private lives. But when you see what other people are enduring, it makes your suffering seem really, whatever the hardship you're going through, seem insignificant. And it's important for us, I believe, as South Africans, not to forget that it wasn't too long ago that the majority of us were in a very similar situation. You know, we need to show solidarity with the poor. We need to connect with the poor and the needy. Firstly, to ground ourselves, but also to realize just, you know, as we say, we are now 23 years into our, into our democracy. But for many of the people, the reality of life hasn't changed much. So what can we do to bring about change in their lives, to change their reality? Alhamdulillah, we, we, like we say, the opportunities are there for everyone. But unfortunately, the reality is that many people are still excluded from opportunities. So what can we do to bring about real change? You know, nobody, I, I can't think of any one person who is happy being a drug addict, for example. I can't think of any one person that is happy being an alcoholic. I can't think of a single person that is happy sleeping on the street. So what, is, what are the causes? What are the root causes? And again, at, at Islamic Relief, our approach is always to deal with what, you know, the causes, what, what, what lay, lay at the root of the issues, and then try and deal with those, you know, those core, the fundamental issues, not just to, as they say, hacker the leaves, but to, you know, deal with the root, the root issues. So it was, again, it was a beautiful experience. I, I feel it gave people also an opportunity to see, you know, what the reality is for a lot of South Africa, a lot of Cape Townians, and then also to to, to just make shukr, you know, sometimes we always, we're always asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we should, we, we turn to Allah when we are in need and we ask Him. But literally to see what people are going through and then to, to, to give thanks to Allah, to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever we have, you know. Even if it's just a roof overhead, maybe the roof leaks a little bit, you know. Even our clothes, maybe not the latest of, of fashion, you know, even maybe, you know, we don't drive the, the best of, of vehicles. You know, we're always aspiring to something better, but to see what other people have, the little bit that other people have, and to bring a smile to their faces, it was it was priceless. So again, I'd like to thank the the, the team of the Bubaran and Lisa for Change, the Acne, the Acne Boys, and everyone that participated. Alhamdulillah, those that donated towards blankets. Again, Ramadan comes to an end, but we still have another two months, at least two to three months of winter, and by all. Uh, you know, indications it's going to be quite a, a cold winter, a cold, wet winter. We hope for much rain. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us beneficial rain. But at the same time, you know, let us keep in mind that there are many other people that are also on the streets. So Islamic Relief, our part of our winter drive is to take blankets. And we will continue with Bubaran uh, and Lace Up for Change after Ramadan, you know, doing the, the going around to the areas, looking for the homeless people and trying at least, you know, just bring a smile for their faces, to their faces, even if it's just for, you know, half an hour, an hour, and to bring some joy. There are many children that are sleeping out on the street, Brother Muhammad Fasir. Many children. And just to bring a smile to their face, to let them know that, okay, you may be sleeping on the streets, but there are people that care about you. You know, I, there's some pictures that I've seen that were shared with us after the, the guys had been out. It's really, you know, such a beautiful pictures, heartwarming pictures to see that we are able to just bring a smile to a child's face uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from, from everyone who was involved inshallah inshallah I mean now um, you know uh, 
with all of the projects that you've mentioned uh, yeah. both locally and we've speak, spoken about East Africa uh, you know, yeah. globally, the ways yeah. that people can contribute, the ways that they can assist, uh, um, you know, can you maybe just outline that for us so that, yeah. you know, obviously we know what the crisis, what the need is now. So yeah. let's, let's see how we can contribute. Okay. First of all, you know, giving is not only about making a donation. Giving is about making a difference. So there are many people that may feel that they don't, they're not by the financial means to make a, to make a difference. But come give up your skills, come give up your time. Even like some of the people that came with on the Bulgaran, they just came, they came with just to see the smile on children's faces, to touch a, a homeless child on, on their forehead, <coughs> to smile at them, look in their eyes and tell them that we are here because we care about you just to do something. We can all do something. So we encourage our co- the, the community, get involved, get involved. Come to Islamic Relief, see what we do, see how we do things, what makes us different from other organizations that are also doing fantastic work. But just come and see the Islamic Relief way, how we go about doing our things. We, we invite the community, whenever we are right opposite Islamia High School, many times parents come to pick up the, the children, Take uh, 15 minutes you know, earlier, come visit us at our offices, come chat with us, see what projects we're involved in. We're involved in everything from education to health to emergency relief, you know, within uh, Cape Town, within South Africa and abroad. So see, you know, where you would find an interest for yourself and come get involved. That's the first thing I'd like to encourage for, for you know, the listeners of Voice of the Cape. The second thing is, you know, from from our side, do do something, for example, and, and try and try and be uh, consistent in it. So don't don't you know we, we're not expecting people to come with hundreds of thousands of rand. If you can, all you can do is contribute a hundred rand on a monthly basis. Then that you know will be your contrib- contribution, and verily those are of the actions that is most beloved to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Also, I'd like to mention you know with regards to the East Africa crisis last week. As we know, you know, our Muslim Judicial Council, the ulama uh, fraternity, have always been in the forefront of doing, of acting when there is a crisis, whether it's locally and abroad. And we have been in contact with the Muslim Judicial Council since the crisis began. And last week, alhamdulillah, we reached an, an agreement where the Muslim Judicial Council will be partnering, partnering with Islamic Relief to raise awareness and to raise funds for the East Africa crisis. I believe that a circular had gone out. Um, maybe you know, if you have an opportunity to contact Molana Abdul Khalik Ali of the Muslim Judicial Council to get you know his input on it. But we have reached an, an, an agreement where the Muslim Judicial Council, through the masajid, because that is really the grounds where our community should be mobilised. You know, the masajid are not only uh, places where we go to worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the ritualistic sense, but the masajid are the places where we need to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the complete holistic sense. And part of part of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fulfilling our duty to those that are in need. So through the, the masajid, we will be creating awareness. We'll be going around from area to area to show video clips of just the extent of the crisis, um, to show what Islamic Relief is doing, how we do things, why we do it, and why we do things differently. And then also to collect funds. As I said, you know, we're making it easy for people. At Islamic Relief, again, as I said, it's not a matter, any relief organization, 
we are not collecting funds for ourselves. There are certain costs which do incur. And, and anyone that is interested, they're welcome to come to our offices. You can see what the cost structures are. Look, it takes, for example, to deliver aid to people. Anyone that says that they can do it without incurring costs, they should please come and visit us and show us how they do this. Because anything, as you know, if, whether it's transportation costs, there are people involved. There are warehousing costs, for example, in certain instances. There are certain overhead costs that need to be covered. And we are very transparent about that. We are very open to anyone that wants to know exactly what our cost structure is. You're welcome to come in and, and have this open discussion with us. As we believe to deliver a beautiful gift, you have to do it in the best way. So we try and keep our costs to a minimum, uh, but however, there are costs that are incurred. So please come and chat with us if there's any concerns that you have, anything that you want to know about what we do. Please come and visit us at our office to have these discussions with us. But the Islamic Relief, as I said, we're partnering with the Muslim Judicial Council, and we hope to take this message to the people of South Africa. From first starting in Cape Town, as we know, the mother city, all good initiatives, we believe, start from the mother. And inshallah, we're going to start in Cape Town, but take this message across the country and ensure that our Muslim brothers and sisters in East Africa, in Somalia, receive their right from our brothers and sisters here, inshallah. Inshallah. Shukran yeah. so much. Uh, uh, Yusuf Muhammad, Chief Operating yeah. Officer, Islamic Relief, uh, South Africa. Shukran for joining us all the way from Johannesburg uh, this uh, morning and, uh, you know, shedding some light on what happened over the weekend. Um, Elder Spandela Grant, that, uh, you know, people still support them in droves uh, to the, towards the East Africa crisis and with the various other projects that you have. Uh, someone also sent a message in here asking about Yemen. I see that uh, on Islamic Relief Worldwide uh, website, uh, there is um, some, there are some projects going on the as well. Yeah, Yusuf, yeah. shukran so much. All the best, inshallah. Perhaps we'll chat soon again, inshallah. And we request the, the, the listeners of a Voice of the Cape, make dua for your brothers and sisters around the world. You may not see them, but your du'as will reach them. And make dua for us to be able to continue with the work we are doing, inshallah. Amin, inshallah, shukran. And all the best, inshallah. To find out about any of the projects uh, that were discussed uh, and anything else that you would like to, if there's particular interest uh, that you would like to, uh, you know, pursue in terms of donating to some of the other projects that you have heard Islamic Relief is uh, hosting, uh, you can go to www.islamic-relief.org.za, www.islamic-relief.org.za, and find out more about them, inshallah. We